I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast by the Takshashila Institution. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like bringing fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and Indian perspectives to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, and welcome to All Things Policy. We've been talking quite a bit on this podcast about uh, the impact of COVID nineteen, but today we want to talk specifically about how. uh this pandemic relates to something uh quite normally unrelated which is the military chain of command uh and i have with me uh general prakash menon welcome general thank you very much recently uh the commander of a american nuclear powered aircraft carrier the uss theodore roosevelt uh was fired from his job by the secretary of the navy and uh, this was over a leaked letter and soon after that uh, the secretary of navy has himself resigned general uh first tell us uh, what uh, tell us about uh, the terry roosevelt and how does it fit into uh, the us navy's command structure okay so actually uh, i think we'll say th and make it short for terry roosevelt sure so th is actually the nuclear aircraft carrier of the indo pacific command uh, which is one of the main commands of the us and i think we should try to understand as to where does this how does this fit into the larger structure of the us security system itself so it starts with the president and it's got the secretary of defense with it and it is advised by the national security council this is called the national command authority which is the highest body as far as the us is concerned and under that it's got these unified commands which are geographical it's got the joint chief of staff who is the unified command con- conducts the operations the joint chief of staff plans and coordinates and then there is the military department of the army navy and the air force which trains and equips and they look after the administration so the combatant command structure is that they've got these geographic commands which come directly under the secretary of defense who works under the president of the united states and they have five of them central command european command the pacific indo pacific command northern command and southern command so we this specifically is to do with indo pacific and indo pacific command is responsible for the pacific and the indian ocean so we have here a command and in the command there are fleets this carrier is part of the pacific fleet now what we should understand is pacific fleet is under a four star admiral specific fleets has got two fleets 3 and 7 which are also under three star admirals so you have two fleets under pacific fleet and each fleet has at least four carrier strike groups under him and various other formations of destroy so so and uh, normally when you talk about a carrier strike group it will have an aircraft carrier and it will have let's say 10 to 12 other ships destroyers and support ships that would be a fleet so this is about one of the fleets which included and this is based on australia this is about the strike strike group which was based on the th 
and commanded, the captain of which was Captain Crozier. Now, so this is the setup, and we, we, we must understand that this Indo-Pacific Command is a really large command. It, it actually has about 20% of active duty U.S. forces, 20%, and it's got about 100, um, 3,80,000 personnel under it. And its area of responsibility is also pretty large. So now, uh, General, uh, so it's obvious that Captain Crozier had a huge responsibility on his shoulders. And all of this, of course, came at the time that uh, you had uh, an outbreak of the coronavirus on board the carrier. It started with some three infections. It immediately ballooned to 100. And he then sent out uh, a letter uh, to the Secretary of Navy suggesting that the ship be brought back to port, uh, that it be staffed by a minimal crew and that everybody else be taken off and be screened and tested. And eventually, this letter leaked out to the press. The San Francisco Chronicle published it. And uh, that eventually, that's the chain of events that eventually led to his being fired. And the Secretary of Navy, of course, has said that Captain Crozier shouldn't have actually sent the email to so many people. Uh, Who is in the wrong here, General? Uh, Should Captain Crozier have behaved differently, acted differently? See, I think we must understand the sequence of events uh, to understand what the action, whether he acted correctly or not. Because uh, if you look at the sequence of events, from 4th to 9th of March, the carrier was on a visit to the U- Vietnam port of Da Nang. It was an operational visit and it was a signal to Russia and China about the growing bilateral ties between the U.S. and the Vietnamese. And at that point, Vietnam had about 20 COVID-19 cases at that point. On the 24th of March is when TR first reports his case, first cases. And the ship is actually stocked with 800 testing kits. So the ship is told to come somewhere while moving from out of Danang, and where it normally, the home port is actually Yokosoko. It is told to go to Guam. And it's not very clear as to why... Guam was actually selected. But on 27th, the ship arrives in Guam and it has got, by then, 30 COVID-19 cases. So between the Danang visit and its docking in Guam, it's got 30 cases. It's, uh, uh, one is not very clear as to why it didn't go, was not sent it back to its home port, which is also as far away as Guam, which is Yokosoko. Maybe it would have taken another day. Or it could have actually gone to Yokohama. So he is, meanwhile, corresponding with these uh, seniors, putting them, uh, giving them what the situation on the ship is. And meanwhile, the Secretary of the Navy, Mr. Modley, is acting secretary, uh, has additional kits flown down to Guam on, on 28th of March. And uh, at the same time, there's another... Yeah, aircraft carrier in Yokosuka, where two soldiers of the U.S.'s Ronald Reagan also reported to have COVID-19. So you actually have a situation where two of their nuclear-powered aircraft carriers have actually been infected with sailors having COVID-19. This is 28th of March. So 29th of March, it appears that Mr. Love, who's the Modley's chief of staff, was an email touch with Captain Crozier directly asking what the captain was needed. He was being asked to 
what should we do? And there was, there was an email exchange between them. This is 29th of March. On the 30th of March, the CEO, it's Captain Crozier, writes his email. Now, this is an email which he sends to right up to the top, entire chain of command. And he also makes sure that even the person who actually there is his immediate boss, who is a fleet commander, is on his ship. He's actually not very far away. Uh, apparently, he also comes to know about this only through the email. And that email, whereas action is taken, people are offloaded in Guam, then on 31st is published by San Francisco Times. And that's when the trouble starts. That it go, The moment it goes public, then the political overtones of that become obvious because the narrative which is now carried is that the U.S. government and especially President Trump and the U.S. Navy is not doing enough for the sailors who are endangered by COVID-19. So the moment it becomes political, then we find that two days later, on 2nd of April, Maudley fires the captain of the ship. So it starts when the issue becomes public. And therefore, the first question asked is, how did it become public? Because these sort of things normally is only discussed between the chain of command. It would have to have a security classification. This will email apparently did not observe any such precautions and obviously done deliberately. So from that point of view, that responsibility lay, lies at the door of Captain Crozier. That why would he want to actually send out a communication like this, which becomes part of this? And I, and I don't. I think he, he's the one who will have to actually answer that question. We don't know how it became public, but we know that such a letter should not have been sent to other than classified platform. So. On that, how the letter became public, he is to be blamed. Now, the question is, why was he sacked? And I think that was a political decision. Because if you look at what Trump said, and what Modley did was also, after he was sacked, he went down to Guam, and then belittled the captain to the crew, which I think was an act which was unwarranted and unbecoming because of the fact that it gave all this too much publicity. So the decision seemed to be political because the same thing could have been done. The decision could have been kept within the Navy itself, within the chain of command. So there are two things. There is a letter which becomes public and then political. And there is also, which and violates the chain of command. And the other one is that he is, the decision is taken politically. That is what it is. Of course, as you know, Morley himself has resigned over the issue. So the point is to ask is, I think the way it has been handled is what is we need to understand. That it has become a case where the morale of the U.S. Navy, whether the government will stand up for an officer who is seeing to be protecting his men versus would they like to protect their own political reputation. And I think that's the worst effect which which comes out of this incident. 
that there is a chasm between the serving because he's got the support from his crew. In fact, there's a video which went out, which you must have probably seen. Everybody cheers and claps as he leaves the ship. So he was obviously a very popular captain. So from purely a handling issue, a management issue, things could have been done better, even if they wanted to sack him. There are many ways of actually easing out somebody from command without the type of publicity that it is that has come with it. And I think that is what is the lesson which anybody, any other armed forces have to learn, that even when you want to do something like this, you must handle it in such a way that it does not tarnish the reputation of the country concerned, nor of the um, armed forces itself. And I think that's a damage. So generally, it would seem that both... uh, uh Secretary Maudley and uh, Captain Crozier uh, really could have acted better in this whole uh, incident. Now, we've talked about how the government could have uh, handled this better, how it could have eased him out of command uh, later on and so on. What could Captain Crozier have done differently besides, you know, obviously not breaking the chain of command? Uh, It seems quite clear that he sent that email to too many people and so on. Is there something else that he could have done? Uh, could he have communicated informally with his direct superior? That's that's what it is. You have a chain of command. Who you could have easily. I mean, after all, his immediate boss is just there on the ship itself. Yes. That, 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 I mean, that itself is enough evidence that he actually sends an email to twelve other people when his immediate boss is also sitting there. It just makes him part of the. Uh, uh, gives him a yeah. copy of it. I mean, that itself yeah. shows there's obviously the relationship between the captain and the fleet commander was not in good shape. So the point is, even if you want to protect your men, who you think you're responsible for, there is also a need to understand that there are larger interests also at stake. The country, the government of that country, and also the institution which you are part of. If whatever you did has finally brought about uh, disrepute to the institution and let's say put your country in bad light, then that action cannot be condoned. So while he will be celebrated by all within people who know him as a great hero who gave up, his sacrificed his job or his position, there's also the case that he could have handled it better. So now, General, I want to ask you, uh, we've had something not very dissimilar in India. Uh, back in 2012, uh, Army Chief V.K. Singh had written a letter to the Prime Minister, basically talking about how there were these severe gaps in the Army's preparedness for war. And then that letter was also leaked to the press. There was a huge controversy about it. How do you see that incident? And how does it relate to what has happened with Captain Crozier? Yeah, that incident also was about the Chief of Army Staff, General V.K. Singh, standing up for and telling, speaking, let's say, truth to power through a letter which he addressed to the Prime Minister. But again, the only point was a letter which showed the armed forces' operational preparations in such poor condition was leaked to the press because we do not know who leaked it. And so General V.K. Singh was well within his rights to write to the Prime Minister for something he was concerned about. But then if such a letter could be leaked, it must really be a case of somebody in the hierarchy Somebody, any, anybody else, uh, leaking it. And that, I think, was unfortunate. But, but at that time, the government 
finally handled it better because in normal circumstances they could have easily said let's sack the chief and if they had sacked him the government itself would have actually been shown in very poor light because what he said was also the truth and therefore sacking him would have made the situation worse for the government and the things would have actually snowballed and made a bad situation worse correct another way Absolutely. of looking at it is that as far as mil- civil military relation is concerned or the government can sack anybody unless they had proof that he was responsible for leaking the letter the sacking would have actually shown and made the situation much worse so although it would be natural for any government to think about sacking a chief when a letter like that is posted to the press i think the decision taken was right and if you look at it that controversy after some time died its own death this one is not going to be so easy because you have a chain of resignations here captain has resigned and the officiating secretary the navy has resigned so the impact of sacking the captain would be much worse when compared to what the government did against general vikasin so in retrospect i think the decision was right although a lot of people at that time felt that the government should have sacked him but i think in retrospect it was the correct decisions yeah as a civilian thoroughbred civilian general i, I it occurs to me that uh, the armed forces uh, you you really calls for two things from senior officers one is a great deal of character and honesty and the other is uh, showing good judgment and uh, even the slightest failure in these can have a, a whole chain of consequences that we can't foresee true so thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for enlightening us about this issue and uh, thank you all for joining us in all things policy if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can tune into them on the ivm podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts you can also follow ivm on social media the handle is at @ivmpodcasts on twitter facebook and instagram and hey if you'd like to dive into takshashila's research on technology strategy and economic affairs check us out at our twitter handle at @takshashila_inst or our website takshashila.org.in